This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. Amen. I was um, at a baby shower for my uh, grandson that's coming in February. Grandson, yeah, it's exciting. And um, last week, it was reminded of something that I said, oh, this fits right into where I'm going today. So my son shared about a situation that happened many, many years ago when he was little, my oldest son, um, maybe seven or eight years old. And so back in those days, we were at a charter school on Memorial Drive, and, um, you know, we had to set up, we had to break down. And as you, if you've been around Impact, which was Caneland, then if you've been around us for any length of time, you know that we like to talk, we like to fellowship. It, you know, when we go to other people's churches, we went all the way up to, I think, Canton or someplace way up there in the north, and all the members left we were standing in the darkness. They had turned the lights out. We were still there just talking away. We had to still get back to Snellville. But that's just the kind of church that Impact has, has been over the years, just a, a talking fellowship church. Well, we used to have a Wednesday night Bible study, and uh, we were there, and obviously it was a school night. And, and so after church, you know, we had to break down and put everything away and close up the building. We had a key to the, to the building, and... Uh, so we fellowshiped outside, and we just went on. We just talking, having a good old time. And, and Pastor Mona and I had drove two separate cars, and so um, we said goodbye. We'd see each other at home. And, and um, one of the elders that was at the time of the church with us, Carl Deshay, he was rode with me. And so we rode back to my house, and then we sat outside and talked another, I don't know, 45 minutes an hour. So you, you know that time has gone by. We've already had Bible study, and we fellowshiped twice. So I walk inside the house, and I look at Pastor Mona, and I said, um, and she's downstairs in the kitchen, and I said, well, where are the kids at? And she said, oh, well, Chantel and Aaron upstairs sleep. Aaron was probably one years old, and Chantel's about five. I said, oh, good, where's Brandon at? She said, I thought you had him. I said, I thought you had him. <gasps> My heart dropped. We left him at the school. Don't be judging me like that. I heard that. I saw that. He was seven or eight years old, and my, I was like, oh, my God. Y'all, when I tell you, I got in my car. I didn't care if it was red, green, or yellow. I looked, and I kept right on going. I, could, I had to rush down there because I'm thinking I left my, we left our seven or eight-year-old child. He was probably in there probably two hours. I know I started to call defects on myself. Hello, I want to report a bad parent. So... <laughs> So I ran inside, I locked the thing, ran inside, and there he was right in the cubby. I don't know how anybody overlooked him, but he was just there, just waking up good, looking up, and he was fine. And you may think to yourself, you know, I've never left my child behind like that. You know, I've never been so distracted with people and talking and all the things going on around me that I left my child behind. But maybe you've not been in that way, but maybe you've been distracted during the holiday season and you've left Jesus behind. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's been points in our lives when we look back when 
when even during the holiday season that we call Christmas, it has not always been about Christ, or sometimes we can be so distracted that we lose sight of what the real meaning of Christmas is. And, and one of the reasons why is that Christmas, y'all, is big business. It is big business. It affects everything. And, and I will just tell you right quick, it, it, it doesn't even matter that, you know, that we celebrate him as Lord and Savior because the world would always have Christmas even if he wasn't because it's big business for them. As a matter of fact, I want you to look at this, this multiple choice question that I have up there and see how big spending is at this time of the year. According to the National Retail Federation, how much will Americans spend in the last two months of this year? Would you say $60 million? Would you say 400 million, 20 billion, and 960 billion? Let's go through. How many say A? Let me hear a clap. I want to see. Mm. All right, two of you. All right. How many of y'all say 400 million? Uh huh. All right. How many say 20 billion? Mm. How many say 960 billion? You are correct. $960 billion will be spent over the last two months of 2022. Jesus. I told y'all I was big business. I got one more multiple choice. Let's see if you can get the answer. How much will the average American family spend on Christmas gifts, decorations, and meals? Uh, is it under 1,000? Mm. Over 500? Mm. Over 1,200? Mm. Under 500? The answer actually is just under 1,000. But I suspect some of us in here, well, the truth be told, we're above average. <laughs> and if you're in a two-family household, then you could double that. So that might resonate with a little bit, a little bit better for, for many of us in here. Christmas is big business, and if we're not careful, we can leave Jesus behind because we're so distracted with the business of Christmas that we forget the meaning of Christmas. So I want to look at this morning, not a Christmas text, but I want to look at this morning how Jesus handled a holiday. What did it look like for Jesus to go through a holiday period in his life? And, and what did it look like for Jesus to navigate all the poles around him and all that was going on around him and yet remain undistracted and more importantly to be about his father's business? Are you ready this morning? All right. If y'all pray with me, I won't be long. Amen? Amen. Oh, 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 oh my. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Luke 2 41 through 52 says his parents that's Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem every year because every year there is a holiday and it was called the feast of Passover and when he was 12 years old they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast when he had finished the days when they had finished the days as they returned the boy Jesus who was 12 years old by the way lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. Sounds familiar. See, I felt like a much better parent after I read this. <laughs> but supposing him to have been in their company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. And so when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him, looking for him. Now, so it was, it was that after three days... They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and wisdom and answers. And so they, 
So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they didn't understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all those things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So as we read here, we we see that it is the annual festival. It's an annual holiday. Jews, Jews celebrated three major festivals, and each one of them required them to go to Jerusalem no matter where you live. So there was a festival, and some of them you may have heard of before, the Festival of Tabernacles, where they celebrated what God did for their ancestors as they journeyed for 40 years through the desert and how he kept them and how they came out of that. They also celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. And the Feast of Pentecost, I want you to think about how we celebrate Thanksgiving. The Feast of Pentecost for the Jews was an opportunity for them to thank God for the first fruits that that came every year that they were able to harvest. And how many of you know the day of Pentecost was then for Christians, it became the day that God decided to send the Holy Spirit down, and we, or I should say they, would be the first fruits of the early, of the church of Jesus Christ. And the final festival, or the final feast that they went to Jerusalem for is the one that is mentioned here, the Feast of Passover. And Passover commemorated for them They commemorated what God did for their ancestors, taking them out of Egyptian bondage and delivering them through the Exodus. And so, John, rather, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus all go up to Jerusalem, and they don't go by themselves. They go with a company of people. As the scripture mentioned, there was a host of people. It would have been all their family that came from the village. Likely John and Elizabeth and Zachariah were in that group. It would have been all their friends that came from the village. So they would have gone with a great big company. And they would have taken this trip that took several days, about three or four days, to get to from Nazareth to Jerusalem on foot. And so the Passover itself was a seven-day festival. So think about that. If it takes three or four days to get there, and you get, when you're there, you celebrate for seven days, and then you've got to return back home. It takes another three or four days. You've got at least a two-day holiday. Anybody follow me this morning? And it's interesting because after the festival is over and after all the activities that happen around the temple and around the town of Jer- the city of Jerusalem, They pack up their bags, and the host of family and friends are ready to go back to Nazareth. And it's interesting because Luke records here that as they traveled, and they traveled a full day, after traveling a full day's journey, they looked up and looked in their company, and they kind of did what me and Pastor Mona did. They thought somebody else had Jesus. You know, and so they look back, they think, because, you know, you with all your family and friends, it's like, you know, if you will, can, can you just... Imagine with your mind's eye with me that little Jesus, he's 12, he's with his cousin, he's probably hanging out with John. And so they're probably together, they're in the back of the line, and they, they, they're with us. But no, at the end of the day, they look up, they say, we, we, you, you, they look, and I can imagine uh, Elizabeth, Zachariah, y'all seen Jesus? No, John ain't even seen Jesus. And you're looking through all the company, no, Jesus is not here. And the, and the Bible says that they realized after a whole day's journey that they had left Jesus Behind, after a whole day's, and let me explain that. So, so they didn't have Amtrak. Mm-hmm. They didn't have Delta. 
Y'all ain't going to say nothing this morning, uh-huh. They didn't have a Cadillac. They had Larry and Moe, their two feet. And they, and they had to make their journey. So if you look it up, you find out that a day's journey in ancient times was about 20 or 25 miles by foot. It takes the average person 2,000 steps to get one mile, which would have meant that they had taken 40,000 steps to 50,000 steps without Jesus. And my question for you this morning is, how far do you go before you realize you've left Jesus behind? It's easy to leave Jesus behind with all the distractions that go on around us, with all the pulls, with all of our schedules, with all the things we have in place, with all of the to-do lists we have, it's not hard to leave Jesus behind. And, and particularly in the holiday season, because, because, you know, in the holiday season, you got to have, you know, everything in order. You got to have your list. You got to have your Christmas tree. Check. You got to have your Christmas lights. Check. And then there's your Christmas presents. Check. And then there's a Christmas Sweaters, and then there's a Christmas pajamas. Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. Then there's the Christmas pictures, and then there's the Christmas parties. I got everything for Christmas except for Christ. Because I can become like Mary and Joseph, I can assume I've taken him with me only to find out that he's lingering behind. We can have everything for Christmas but Christ. Now, what could be worse than leaving Jesus a whole day behind, a whole 20 to 25 miles behind you when you're on foot? I can think of one thing worse that you got to go back the same 20 and 25 miles just to find him where he's at. So, contextually, the scripture tells us it took them three days. Why? Preacher, I thought you said they traveled one day at first. Yeah, the first day they traveled and they realized he wasn't there. They couldn't go back at nighttime. They had to stay where they were. I imagine the sun was down at that point. And by the way, you should know that there were wild animals all around that place. That's one of the reasons why they traveled in such a great company. So they stayed where they were. That's one day that they lost. They went one way. The next day, they had to get up and walk what? 20 or 25 miles back the other way. Jesus, that hurts. And then when they got to Jerusalem... They had to find him. The scripture said it took three days before they found him. Then they finally find him. That's three days. You still with me? How much more time would it take for them to get back to where they left off at going home? A whole nother day. That same 20 or 25 miles. I'm going someplace. At the end of the day, it took them 20, it took them, excuse me, four days to get back where they left off at. Because see, every time we leave Jesus behind, we can always be further ahead than where we are. 
I don't care what area of our lives that we leave Christ behind. There's always this idea that if I skim, as an example, my quiet time, I can get something else done. But every time I leave Christ behind, I always wind up putting myself further back than where I could be. Oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me this morning. I got a little help up here, though. We have all left Christ behind at some point in our life. Y'all, if, if we're really real about it, we've all skimmed off and said, I'll get back to that later. I'll get back to worship later. But let me take care of this now. I'll get back to fellowship later. But let me handle this now. I'll get back to praying later. But let me take care of this now. And the truth be told is, every time we leave Christ behind, we fall behind it in our own lives, and we can be further ahead than where we are right now. Mary said, your father and I have been anxiously seeking you. And that's what happens to us because, see, sometimes we take his presence for granted until something goes wrong and we find ourselves back at the altar anxiously seeking him. We find ourselves back in prayer anxiously seeking him. We find ourselves on the unemployment line anxiously seeking him. It's not hard. We can marry somebody because we in love. But when the marriage falls on the rocks, we realize we left Christ behind from the very beginning. And we find ourselves back in a place of anxiously seeking him. There are times even in our decision-making, we, we make decisions and, and we consult everybody else. We consult our friends. We consult our family. We consult our horoscope, but we haven't consulted the Lord. And so we leave Jesus behind, and, and it leads us back to a place of anxiously seeking him. Or I got Christ in every area of my life. I, I, I got him, you know, he, he, he's taking care of me. My health, I trust him for my health and, and I trust him for my relationships, but I don't trust him with my finances. So, so I don't seek the Lord. I don't ask him for, and before you know it, I find myself deep in debt, anxiously seeking him. Because the first comes up faster than you remember. Hmm. Sometimes it's in our careers we, we, we go running off our careers because our careers become so important in our lives that we leave Christ behind. And, and, and then we finally get the thing that we thought we wanted so much and only to get there to find out that we're empty and we're unfulfilled and we come back anxiously seeking him. So my thoughts this morning are, I want to just talk briefly with you about how do we avoid leaving Jesus behind this holiday season because I don't want to fall behind. I only have to go backwards to go forward. Y'all with me this morning? Anybody that's ever did a diet before knows exactly what I'm talking about. You be on a diet and testifying. Trying to lose 10 pounds, you lose 8. You're almost there. And somebody passes a good piece of cake in front of you. That's my weakness. And from there, you just fall off. And you're back now. You got to lose your back at, you know, I still got to go back now and lose the same eight that I lost. Then the two I never lost. It's always harder to go backward to go forward than it is to stay where you are and go forward. Amen? So let's talk about how we can keep from going backward. And, and so, so 
So Mary again says, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And it sounds like Jesus is being, let's see, what's the word I want to use? I want to say smart mouth. Because you know, Jesus is 12 years old. Can you imagine you saying to, to, to your son, why did you stay behind? Why did you just let this happen? He said, look, what you looking for me for, woman? What'd you say? Two teeth. Two teeth, exactly. Two teeth. And those are Jesus, by the way, these are Jesus' first words recorded in the scripture. His first words. His first words. So why did you, why did you seek me? What he's actually saying is, why are you so worried about where I am? You knew where I would be. That's the better way of understanding that. It wasn't, why did you come look for me in general? It was, you already knew where I would be. Did you know I would be about my father's business? In other words, you should have expected exactly and knew exactly where I'd be. Which tells us a few things. This is a sidebar, but it does tell you that at the age of 12, Jesus automatically knew that he was, he was part divinity. He knew that he was called to fulfill his father's mission in the earth. But here's something that's really interesting. Notice she says, this would have been probably, you know, if we, if we didn't know any better, this might have been another two-teeth Elva James. Because she said, me and your father have been anxiously seeking you. Didn't you know how to be about my father's business? Ooh, if I'm Joseph, I'm pissed. Did your father provide for you over the last 12 years and put food on the table? Can you, just stay with me. They're a blended family now. They're blended. Because that ain't Joseph's biological child. And Jesus come back to him about, well, <laughs> what you looking for me for? <laughs> I had to be about my father's business. That's why you got to discern, boy. <laughs> Because I would have to repent, you know, you have to discern. And so what we find here is that there is a tension going on between, watch this, Mary says, your father, earthly, and Jesus says, my father, heavenly. There is a distinction happening between the things, watch this, which are natural, your father, and the things which are spiritual, my father. And so when the situation arose that Jesus had to make a choice between that which was earthly, your father, and that which is spiritual, my father, it didn't matter if it was his family, it didn't matter if it was his friends, it didn't matter if it was the teachers, it didn't matter if it was the Pharisees, Jesus will always prioritize his father's business above natural business. And if you want to be undistracted in this season, you, my friend, must prioritize those things that relate to your father more than to your natural father. Those things that relate to your father more than your friends. Those things that relate to your father more than your money. Those things that relate to your father more than your job. You must prioritize. If I must choose, I choose my father and his business. I'm trying to. 
Because we all have that choice, don't we? We're always pulled. We're always, all of us are in that tension. I'm in the same tension. We're all in that same tension. If I'm going to choose the priority of people around me, because see, Daddy's priority, Joseph, was to take his family back home. That was his father's priority, his natural father's priority. Joseph's priority was the festival's over, the holiday's over. I done spent all my money traveling. It's time to get back home. But the father's priority was different. And so we've got to make a decision up front about who has the greatest priority in our life. And when the rubber meets the road, am I going to choose the things that are spiritual or the things that are carnal? And Jesus said, I will choose my heavenly father's priorities and make them my own. And that may mean for you during this holiday season with all the pulls, because we all have pulls. We have family pulling us to do something. We have our kids pulling us to do something. We have our calendars pulling on us to do something. We have our bills pulling on us to do something. But that might mean for you making a decision up front that if I've got to get up early to get my time in with Jesus, before the family gets up, I'm going to get up early. Because I'm about my father's business. That may make, a, a make you say, I've got to make a decision that if I don't do nothing else during this season, I'm going to make sure I bless somebody else because I'm about my father's business. That may mean for you that you say, you know, when I get around my family and I go to somebody else's house, I'm walking in the door aware that I am a light in the midst of darkness and I'm trusting God to touch my unsafe family, my unsafe friends, and leave a deposit that hopefully brings them to Jesus. If we want to be about our father's business, we must make spiritual things our greatest priority. The second thing, after the whole exchange about your father, my father, Mary didn't know what he was talking about. She said, I better not tell Joseph we're going to be in big trouble. But the scripture says she pondered those things in her heart. She pondered those things. And the word ponder means to consider carefully, to meditate. And what I like about it, she pondered those things. It didn't say she pondered those things in her head. She pondered those things in her heart. It's, when you ponder, it's where the head and the heart, because it, it's where you're thinking, but you're thinking in your head, but it, it meets the heart. In other words, you internalize it to look at what it actually means for me. You know, we can hear God's word. Have you ever heard God's word? And when the preacher is preaching, you're like, oh my God, I wish so-and-so was in church. That was for them. Or I can't wait to go back home and tell my spouse what he said because they need to hear that. That's for them. And what Ponder's actually saying is, you stop and reflect, God, what are you saying to me out of that word? What is the revelation for my life? What is my next step? What is the light you want to shine in that area of my life? When you ponder and you internalize it for yourself. So she had to stop and say, I don't understand all this, your father, my father, but God, I want to know what this means for me. I want to ponder 
your word. I want to slow down, you know, because we can be in the speed and we can speed through life and speed through church and speed through the Bible app and speed through listening and speed through reading. And we don't have to stop and really internalize it. We don't slow down enough to internalize. What are you saying? What is the implication of this word for me? The Bible says when she didn't understand, she took that word, she pondered it, she meditated on it. Okay, I must be about my father's business. Ironically, the word ponder there is the same word that's used when Luke records that the angel came and spoke to her and said that she would conceive from the spirit and that she would bring forth a son as a virgin. And the Bible says she pondered that in her heart. And so here again, we see that Mary again ponders in her heart. She says, what does this mean for my life? I want to just give you a few things. You might want to write this down that will help you as you read Scripture. As you read Scripture. A few things you might want to ask yourself. Is there a command to obey? When I'm reading Scripture, am I reading something? Do I see a command that I can pull out of that to obey? Is there an example to follow? As I read, you know, the Bible talks about Israel as an example. Wandering in the wilderness is an example for us not to fall in unbelief. Is there something that I'm reading in a Bible character's life that is also an example for me to follow? Is there a command to obey? Is there an example to follow? Is there a promise to claim? What is it in, uh, that I'm reading today, God, that there's something that if I would just receive that for my own life, I could see it manifest in my life? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a sin to avoid? I, 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 I don't know how it is that we can watch people that we know, you know, and they, they live their lives the way they want to live their lives, and they go towards a cliff, and we watch them, and we see them, and they fall over, and they bring destruction into their own life. And then we watch the next person do the same exact thing. But how is it that when we watch people fall for the destruction that sin brings, that we wind up making the same decision that led them off the cliff? You know, one of the smartest things a younger generation can do is look at the older generations and say, hmm, that didn't work too good for them, so not, don't, why don't I not do that? Right? What I realize is that I don't have to uh, experience everything myself to learn it, right? You don't have to experience everything yourself to learn it. All you got to do is look at other folks. If it doesn't work for them, why are you trying it for you? Just a thought. And the last one, is there a principle to follow? Is there a principle to follow? Principles are things like um, he, uh, he that soweth uh, grudgingly or, uh, yeah, grudgingly shall reap basically small, and him that sows a lot will reap a lot. And so you, you got to think about the principles that you can put to your life. And those principles work for people that are believers and people that are not believers because they are principles. And so in 2023, you might want to know this, that we are shifting a bit in which Bible, uh, Bible in one year that we're reading, and we're going to be kicking off on January 2nd. And so we want to encourage you, if you are not in the iGroup, to get connected to one after service today. We have somebody signing folks up because we believe at Impact Church that discipleship happens in community. 
And so we're going to be reading the Bible next year again in community. And I love it because when I think about those questions, those are the questions that when I read a text uh, for that day of, of that week, I stop and ask myself, what does this mean to me? And I ponder it in my heart, and then I find myself answering, man, I want to avoid doing da 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 Oh, wow, that's something great. God helped that to be in my life. And so there, sometimes people feel like they don't have anything to say in the chat, but there's plenty to say when you think about is there a command to obey? Is there an example to follow? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a sin to avoid? And is there a principle to follow? Amen? And I'm almost done. Y'all can come up, actually. You might get out early today. Hallelujah. So notice what happens here. Notice what happens here. Verse 51 says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He went down with them. This time, what do you notice? That Mary and Joseph did not leave without Jesus which is real simple. It meant that this time, instead of assuming that he was with them, they were intentional to bring him back home with them. And that's what I want to leave you with this morning. You've got to be intentional about bringing Christ back home with you. In other words, don't just leave him to a Sunday morning experience. Don't just leave him to a worship setting inside of a tabernacle, but to say, God, what is it that you want to do with me? And then help me to bring you back home that when I'm around my family, I'm a light in darkness. When I'm around my family, I'm not snappy. I know how to love. I, I was talking to somebody, and they were saying just yesterday, it's a shame how sometimes, you know, we can be the most cantankerous people in the world at our house. Soon as you get to work on Monday, hey, Bob, what's up? What up, dog? What's going on? But me is a snake at home. So God, help me to bring Jesus back home with me when I leave here today. So that they know that he's real. So that they know God has a plan on their life. So that they know that eternity is a long time and God wants to live with them in eternity. Even in how we celebrate, you know, we are clear, just to, be, just to throw it out there, we are 100% clear that Christmas is a pagan holiday. And if you're not clear about that, let me throw it out to you right quick. It is a pagan holiday. It is a holiday. And so pagans, if you want to know what pagans are, they're all the people that were outside of, of the Jewish community in the Old Testament and clearly outside of the Christian community in the New Testament. It is not a Christian holiday. So if we're going to celebrate it, we must make it about who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And and uh, I was talking to a brother just this week, and he blessed me because he was talking to me about how, you know, his young children, about how just explaining to them going into the holiday, you know, what it's about for them. And one thing he said to them, he said, you know, explain that it's about the birth of Christ. He said, but, you know, it's about his birthday, but he's dealing with the younger children. He said, but, but, you know, what's so beautiful about it is that Jesus allows you to open up his presence. So that they begin to see that the presence that they have really is less about them, but we're celebrating truly about what it means to have Christ in our life and the blessings that he has blessed us with because of that. And so maybe today, before we've even gotten to Christmas, maybe aside from the holidays, maybe you have left Christ behind at some place in your life or some other point in your life. And here's the part I like about what we see in this scripture. You ready? When Mary and Joseph go back, 
Even though it took them a while to get back there, when they finally get back, you know where Jesus was? Right where they left him. You know where he is in your life? Right where you left him. And Jeremiah 29 and 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I don't care how far you've wandered, how far you've fallen behind, where you've left Christ at. The beauty of it all is that you can always find him where you left him when you seek him with all your heart. As a matter of fact, he says, if you really want me, he says, seek and you will find. Knock and the doors will be open. Ask and you shall receive. And he said, if you ask me for, for the Holy Spirit, he said, if you ask me for bread, I won't give you a stone. As a matter of fact, I will give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet this morning. I want to pray for us this morning. I want to trust the Lord that we go into this holiday season with our eyes wide open. I am a believer. I belong to God. He is my father. And I must be about my father's business. Amen? Glory to God. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for just the stirring, the gentle nudge that reminds us that the most important things in life are not things. That remind us, God, that we've got our own business to attend to. We know the world has business. We know Christmas has business. But God, help us in this season to be about our Father's business. And Lord, not because of simple necessity, Father God, and not because of obligation, but simply because we love you. Lord, knowing that we love you because you first loved us and gave yourself for us. And, and so, Father, with our time and with our treasure, God, and, and, and Father God, with our talents, Lord, help us to honor you in this season with our love, God, with, with our heart, with our words, God, and, and how we treat one another, God. Help us to honor you in this season, God. And, and we just thank you for dwelling amongst us, God. We thank you for knowing what the true meaning of the season is, God, as we move forward into this season. Would you deepen our love for you in our hearts in this season? We thank you for it now.